This is Motley Fool Money. Welcome to Motley Fool Money, the podcast that expects to keep its New Year's resolutions at least for another two weeks or so. Maybe. Oh. No promises. I've got some bad news. Uh, what's that? I've broken my own. Already? Yeah. <laughs> How long did you last? Today's the 5th. Okay. All right. A day. Okay. So so longer than normal. I'll give you, uh, I'll give yeah. you some points for that. <laughs> my name's Andrew Page, before we go too far off And topic. I'm Scott Phillips, and we're starting 2018 exactly the way we finished last year, which is a large amount of shambles. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so what are we going to talk about today? Well, as is usual for this time of year, we're going to offer some prognostications, some predictions for the year ahead. Sounds like fun. It does sound like fun, but we're going to call them reckless predictions <laughs> because that's exactly what they are. And it's a nice little bit of ass covering when these predictions all turn out to be wrong. We're also going to... Us as in you and me, right? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. totally. Us covering. Um, right. uh, and... <laughs> <laughs> and also, I know we keep coming back to this, but we, we've got a question or two from Amazon. Is it overhyped? And we just love talking about it. So we're going to talk a bit about that again Indeed. as well. We've continued to get a bunch of questions through Twitter and email, and we always appreciate that. So, And we've got some really good ones. So we're going to cover off a few of them as well. And it wouldn't be a Motley Fool Money podcast without someone getting on their high horse. My turn? It's my turn oh, this year. okay. So I'm no, going to... this year. I'm, uh, this, this week. This, this Jeez, week, yes. Nice try, dude. So, well, I've got enough to go all year if, if, that, if the case Literally one needed. long rant. <laughs> totally. That was kind of last year, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, and it will be next yeah, year okay. as well. Okay. Good. So, we're going to do that as well. But, mate. Let's get into it. Let's get into it. I wanna, I'm want to. i going to punt it to you first of all. <laughs> what is your first reckless prediction for 2018? Well, the fun thing about reckless predictions is they kind of need to be a little bit reckless. Yeah. Otherwise, not really worth doing yes. it, right? So, yeah. I'm going to start by saying we've talked about this company for a little bit. I reckon Kogan's share price is going to double this year. That is a bold call, it's my friend. It's a bold friend. call. It's up about, what, 150% last year? It was. I think we mentioned it in a recent podcast. It was the best ASX performer over the last year. My reckless prediction is it'll double again this year. Actually, I don't own shares. I'm not talking my book, although it is a recommendation of Share Advisor. So I hope desperately it's true, but that's my reckless call. Okay. You know what? I'm uh, In response to that, and just to be a little bit difficult, yes. my reckless, my first reckless prediction is that Kogan will be down 20% <laughs> this year. <laughs> you know, see... Listeners, listeners are probably thinking, you know, Andrew and Scott, they seem like good, not good guys. They seem like good mates. They probably get on really well. That's a big assumption. And you know what? You know what mates do? Mates look after each other. <laughs> mates don't throw each other under buses. Mates don't. Mates, mates don't go keep, on. Mates keep mates in check. Mates don't go on and national they stop television. Them going on flights of fancy. Mates don't go on national television. Say last night, for example. And bag their other mates' recommendations. <laughs> sorry about that. I am sorry. But you've got to give an honest answer. And you know what? Just to give a little bit of depth there, I, I take the view, and I, I know that I know, I'm going to do this very quickly. I know you take the view that that uh, it only, it, I think it's about 1.7% market share. I know because I looked it up recently for, for the e-commerce market. That's research, dude. It is. We started the year know, for the bank. I know. It's, it's pretty good. Welcome to our research podcast. The rest of the year, we'll be doing no research. It's a $17 billion dollar market. It's growing very quickly. Look at that. So Look at you. So the argument, done your work. the argument is, is that, you know what, as long as they, even if they just end up having 2% of the market in a few years time, they'll be much bigger and much more profitable. I actually get that. And I actually, I actually think it's a really sensible approach. Excellent. Let's move on. My, 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 my concern though is, is even when you take that approach, it, it still seems very heavily priced, uh, if I can use the term, even with that assumption. 
Expensive, you mean? Expensive. <laughs> what, as I said, what I, what I really appreciate is when I'm sitting down, in fact, I turned the TV on especially last night onto Sky News Business because you were on there with uh, an erstwhile colleague of ours, Joe Mager, who now runs Lakehouse Capital. Mr. Mager. Which is sister company of The Motley Fool. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and when that was happening, I thought to myself, great, Joe and Andrew are on TV. I'll flick it on, look out to my five-year-old. He's running around building things and we're doing puzzles together. This is this is awesome. And then what do you do? You go on and you... All you had to say, all, all you had to say was, was, was Scott really likes it. I'm not so sure, but you know he's probably right. I did say a very smart colleague of mine has a good argument, and I thought I, I did it justice. You didn't mention me before, my name before I, I well, I, I was saving yourself from yourself. I thought there, <laughs> I was doing you a favour. Anyway, let's move on. So the end of the year, there's, there's, there, there was a beer on this one. End of the year, okay, deal. So let's I'm, let's do that. All right, good. So uh, uh, Kogan got a double. It's going to go down twenty percent. Was my one? No, it's back to you now. Back to, I, I, you can't just piggyback on mine. Come on, give all me right, something. Okay, so. Here's another one, and this this is super reckless. Yep, and this it is such a mugs game, but I'm going to do it anyway. I'm <laughs> going to say, I'm I think that the market as a whole is going to have a pretty tough year. Oh, and uh, what do I base that on? Not much, um, but <laughs> basically on the fact that I think things are, are pretty uh, uh, expensive to use to use the technical term again. <laughs> and so I'm going to say, just just for the sake of it, I reckon we're going to see a twenty percent drop at some stage, top tick to bottom tick throughout 2018. Did you sleep badly last night? I, I slept like a baby. Actually. You've come out here and whinged about Kogan, and you whinged about the market. What is, what is the pessimism thing? I'm, I'm all about it pessimism doesn't suit in you, 2018. Dude. It really doesn't suit you, I've got to say. Well, while I'm doing that, mate, I'm, gonna also, right. I'm also going to say, like a, you know, a broken clock is eventually right. <laughs> I'm calling Sydney property down 10% at oh, least oh. this year. This, you know, is, this is the year it all comes undone. Not only you hate me, you hate all of our listeners who own homes or are paying I, off No, mortgages. I don't. I don't hate them at all. I'm, I'm just saying You're what just I hoping think. Their, their, their house prices fall. <laughs> This. No, I don't. You're putting words in my mouth. I'm just saying. I really am. I'm just saying what I think. Very good. All right, that'll, I'll, I'll accept that. Here's my. Here's, this is not super reckless, but it, but it does have an impact. I reckon rates will be somewhere between a quarter of a point and half a percent higher. Higher over the next twelve months, and unemployment will keep falling. Well, that's got to be great for the property market. Well, it's not going to be <laughs> the rates single it's not anyway. Fantastic for the property market. Yeah. I, look, I I think there's a and lot the of people share market who are, for that matter too. I won't rant because rants are for later and, and you, you're doing this <laughs> My time. turn. But, but most, most people, most economists right now, this has been, I hate market cliches. Like I really do. I hate them like the plague. Me too. See the way, like a cliche <laughs> there, like the plague. I hate, I hate cliches. I did actually miss it. Like the yeah. plague. Thanks for pointing it out. No worries. Yep. Uh, anyway, so here's the thing, right? So this has been what some people are calling the most hated bull market in history. Yeah. And it's kind of one of those things where people say, yeah, 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 yeah. Things are good, but. Yeah. And so people have been saying about unemployment and about interest rates and about the econ- economy for, for years. Yep. Well, yeah, okay, the GDP numbers are up, but if I go to my corner store, it looks terrible. Mm. And this is a case of people desperately, desperately trying to find a way to ignore the facts, despite the fact that the economy continues to grow year after year after year. It's in really, really good shape. So could 26 be better, years now without a recession? Right. But yeah. even but even post post uh, post uh, GFC, you know, the, the unemployment is low and going lower. Mm-hmm. Rates are still at emergency levels, self-described emergency levels. Yep. We're in a situation where you simply don't, there, there is no justification other than fear for this to remain the case. Yep. And I think we'll see rates up next year or this year. And I think we'll see unemployment continue to fall. I there think that they should go up because you want a bit of uh, dry powder for when you need to sort of pull that lever right, again. Right. And who knows when that will be, but it will be needed at some point. Yep. 
Um, however, I think what makes it difficult difficult is that the the very severe levels of household debt and the rest of it means that it's going to be hard to put it back to, to more quote unquote normal levels yeah. without having very, very significant impacts on housing and spending and all the rest of it. Oh, sure. Look, I'm not saying normal levels are three, three and a half percent. We're one yeah. and a half now. Yeah. I think we'll finish the year about one and three quarter, two percent, something like that. Okay. Okay. Cool. All right. Your turn. Uh, okay. Here's one. Um, and, and this is, this is in a, a best, um, uh, bipartisan uh, <laughs> oh, spirit here possible. Here we go. I'm calling for the impeachment of Donald Trump. Whoa! I think I think that I know that there's there's technical reasons as to make to mean that there's very long odds on that. Given that, <laughs> however, however, I just <laughs> you know it just and again I don't want to get political, but it just seems like the things that this guy is doing, like threatening nuclear war and doing lying like like this patently lying over it just to me it seems there's going to be a sense where a time when the tide turns and people are like, we have got to get rid of this guy yeah and there's i admit there's probably a little bit of wishful thinking and all of that but i wouldn't be surprised and it, hey it's a reckless prediction that's my reckless I, prediction. I like i like reckless prediction i'm a big fan of that uh, i think when we think about what's going to happen next year we're starting to look at so let's say there's a well, this year i keep saying next year just so yes let's be reckless mm -hmm. i think next year we will see a pot stock go on to have a billion dollar valuation. Wow. A billion dollar market cap. Well, they have they have been back in focus recently. They They've been taking off uh, some export Fly license high. deals. Fly. Like it's that? too easy, okay. isn't it? Yeah. Um, uh, and so I'm not going to go there. So, Good uh, yeah. Uh, okay. So you mentioned our mate Joe and it came up on, on the show last <laughs> night. Careful. And he said, uh, what? I just mentioned Postox and Joe. I'm just, just mindful of oh, right. my first, first, like, professional reputation. No, 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 here. no, no, no. Speak of smoking pot with Joe. <laughs> That's right. Um, uh, now you've made me lose it. What, <laughs> it's that short-term memory effect. It's, so it's had that. Postox came up on the show last so night. So he, he said, uh, and I thought it was very, as is often uh, the way he, he goes, he made a very common sense argument. He said, let's assume that this does become a, a very big industry. Who's more likely to win? Is it going to be the very, very large pharmaceutical companies or is it going to be some small startup Aussie company that ends up owning this market? So I would say that as an industry, in fact, there's a lot of legitimate, very good reasons as to why this does need to be a, a proper regulated industry. And uh, if it does happen, I can see that, yes, the industry will obviously be, by definition, be there and be much bigger than it is at the moment. Mm -hmm. I just don't think it's going to be owned by some small little startup. It is probably going to be dominated by the big players in that field because the startup costs are pretty small yeah. this is a weed it's not hard to grow it's essentially a commodity the only barrier to entry really is licensing right. and the big boys are going to get that without it so so, that, so if we go forward five ten years and say this is a huge industry who's going to be owning it the same guys who own the, the most of the industry at the moment i think you're probably right i i, I think yeah the, the odds are that you're you're absolutely right what i would just true in general mate no, no, no. <laughs> that was a, that, that was, was a painful pause. Yeah, yeah. It felt like a long time. Yeah, we'll, we'll shorten that in, the, okay. in post production. Please do. Um, yeah, no. Look, you're definitely right. Look, no. Here's, here's the thing. I think the I think that's probably true. Mm -hmm. That being said, we have we aren't short of, you know, the race to online commerce is going to be won by one of the incumbents, surely. Well, that's very true. Or yes. yeah. the race for the race for search is going to be led by one of the early early altruists or Yahoo's, right? Yeah. Or WordPress Has, is going to be. But, but in know, those in those scenarios, though, there are there are 
potent first mover advantages and then um, network effects that build on that to sort yeah. of sustain those leads. In uh, this instance, if I'm yeah. CSL, for example, and yes. I say, hey, actually, I want to get into this. Yes. I get into it tomorrow. I've got bigger scale. I've got cheaper access to capital. I, I, I just- I got I, cookie I, recipe. I click, I, I click my fingers and it happens where I can't do that yeah. with online commerce. No, I no, can't do true. that with online real estate portals. I can't do that with online job search. No, but you could have done with online commerce. You know, Walmart could have simply actually uh, yeah take yourself back 25 years mm. the fact that walmart let amazon actually even exist let alone be successful yep. in a market where all it had to do was to your point yes. click its fingers yeah, no, but they, and be the online but, they, but they didn't right but, but now now it's at a point where it's like well can they ever do that because it's that that, that network effect has, has run away my right. point is that with with pot stocks and the see there there is no network effect there there is no first mover advantage there of any significance so that, that i guess that's how i would say it's different no network effect. Don't mess marijuana smokers do it with mates. <laughs> You're really drawing a long bow. At very this long bow. Very long bow. Should All we finish right. this off? Uh, now, well, I, I'm not. I'm not going to actually. You know what? I'm not going to let you get out of this without okay. without, okay. without being a little bit less reckless. Okay. All right. So it's it's the fifth of January, 2018. My mm -hmm. son's fifth birthday. Happy birthday, Ian. Happy birthday. Man. He won't listen to this podcast, but no one else does either. So I can at least <laughs> tell him I said so. Yep. And when he when he listens back in 25 years, like, mate, remember back in 28? So dad, just give care. it up. Exactly. Yeah. So. There are people investing today, next week, next month, who are saying, all right, for all of you guys carry on and rubbish, give me something I can work on here. Give me something yeah, that's to work a fair with. question. Yeah. 2018, yep. You, know, yep. you just called a market crash. Yep. Should should investors be investing? Quote, unquote, be... correction. Thank you. 20%. <laughs> it's good that's enough. a hell of a correction. No, correction 10%. Oh, so you're right. Bear you're right. 20. Sorry, you're right. Yeah, yeah. I'm calling a bear market. I'm sorry, doing it. Sorry, you're right. He says, Lynn, can we just keep that for, for later? That's one of those things that really we should be playing most episodes. <laughs> I'm really sorry. I could, just, I could do this by myself. Really. You really could. Yeah. Uh, you will so... be if you keep going. <laughs> <laughs> you can't give this up. Come on. <laughs> no. um, so, okay, serious. You, you, you call, you've called for a correction in part recklessly. Mm -hmm. Shouldn't then investors be saying, I'll keep my money on the sidelines, just waiting for that to happen before I go and play? Uh, no. And, and, and the reason is this is because I... I, we didn't do this uh, last year, but I probably would have said, mm, odds are, it's, it's, you know, we've, we've had a very good run. And the year before, someone else was saying it the year, but it's, it's always going to be a reasonable, plausible type thing. So yeah. the trouble is, is that by the time it actually happens, the market may have gone up a, a long, long way. Right. And then even if it does drop 20%, it's still going to drop back to a level that's much higher than it was today. So you, you can't time this. You just can't. Anyone who tells you otherwise is kidding themselves or just outright lying to you. So you, you can't do it. So so that that's a very important caveat on my reckless prediction. <laughs> the, the other point is this, is that we all say, and I'm, I'm more guilty of this than anyone, is that when it does crash or when there is a correct, Mm. I'm going to back the truck up and I'm going to do this. Well, the reality is, is that the things that cause crashes and they're very clear in hindsight, but at the time, remember, do you remember the GFC? It was 10 years ago today. And we honestly didn't know what was going Not to literally happen 10 years ago today. The EU could have completely broken up. Yeah. You know, the major institutions and banking institutions in the world's largest economy could have dissolved. We just didn't know. So there was there was this huge cloud of uncertainty. It was super, super, super scary. Mm. So the, the reality is, is that it's whatever the next crash catalyst is, mm. it's not going to be something that most people will be able to look at and, and rationally appraise. Because if that's the case, almost by definition, there won't be a crash because people won't let prices get to that, <laughs> yeah, to that right, point. Right. So so my point is, is that A, A, A you won't be able to predict it. Mm. B, even if you do end up predicting, you are not going to act in the way 
that you think you will. So how do you practically play that? Well, it's, it's a little boring, but it just works so wonderfully well is you continue to be prudent with your finances, you save up, you drip money into the market. Sometimes you'll be doing it when prices are high. Sometimes you'll be doing it when prices are low. In 10 years time, you're not going to care. <laughs> it's all just going to dollar cost average in and you're going to build your exposure to wonderful assets. And lo and behold, if you're not careful, you'll substantially build your wealth over time. Can I summarize that as stuff will happen and invest anyway? Yes. That's much, can I, can much I call it? No, 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 you did a good job. Yeah. I just, as I think it through, I'm kind of thinking for all of the grief, for all of the predictions, the prognostications, including ours over the last couple of minutes, mm. really the bottom line is, you know what? Stuff's going to happen. You're never, gonna, never going to know what, when, how far it falls, how far it rises. But over the long term, the market has been a fantastic wealth generator and simply investing anyway is has always been, thus far at least, the best strategy. Yeah, absolutely. Value stocks. Market. Stock market. Index. Share market. This is Motley Fool Money. Subscribe to the free newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash triple M. Mate, we better move on. Should we? Jeez, 15 minutes in already. So, um, we... we... <laughs> um, our listeners are thinking... Really, fifteen, thirty, so far. <laughs> we said we do mailbag, and we said we do a bit of Amazon. So I'm yep. gonna combine the, those two because uh, one of the longtime listeners of ours is uh, John Verpaletti. Um, g'day, John. Thanks for listening. Um, always enjoy your comments, and he sent us a really good question. In fact. Um, throughout the break, he was sort of making the, the comment, in fact, talking about Walmart. He says, Walmart is probably the most formidable adversary Amazon has ever faced, disrupting the music, book, and media industries. Uh, I'm just going to summarize this here. Yep. Um, Walmart's history is also a warning. If you look at the two companies' financials, Amazon today looks almost identical to Walmart in 1999. Um, so he's really making the point here that since 1999, although Walmart's done wonderfully well on a lot of metrics, its share mm. price has been flat. Yep. And he's really making that point because there was, at 1999, a lot of people were expecting good things. So it was kind of priced in. Mm. Here we go to, and, and the point, I think I'm getting this right, John, is that the point he's making now is that, well, yes, you guys crap on about Amazon all the time. Yes, it's going to be big. And, you know, even if that is true, is that yep. not, is there not a situation where we see an analog with, with Walmart where it's, it's, it's so widely accepted that even if that does happen, your returns aren't going to be great as an investor? So you're saying I'm right about Kogan? <laughs> not saying that at all. <laughs> so, so look, to give, to, to get, John will, John will be listening to this and say, guys, 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 I didn't say that. And so just so we're clear, he was quoting a couple of paragraphs from The Economist. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, no, it's okay. Just, just so he, he, would, he would want us to, to correct that. Yep. Um, I think the point really is that, you know, for all, and this is so true, you know, during the 90s, I was working at the back half of the 90s for some food companies, mm -hmm. um, some large multinational food companies. And at that point, the Walmart story was the story. Mm. People were writing books about how Walmart was destroying the, the mum and pop stores, as the, as the Yanks called mum and dad kind of retail stores in America. Yep. Walmart was the big behemoth. It was the, it was the company that was going to take over the world. Mm. And as you say, fast forward 20 years, mm. well, the book about Amazon is called The Everything Store. It's mm. kind of, there, there is an analog to your point. There is a What's very the Walmart clear... book again by Sam Walton? Made in America. Made in America. Great That's book, by the way. I hi book. highly recommend it. Please do read yes. that. Uh, Walton is very, very readable. Yep. A very a fantastically interesting guy. Such such good lessons um, in there. Yes. Yeah, very much. And so look, I think, you know, so John's point, or John's question, I guess, or, or his his point of raising it from The Economist was, is there is there the possibility that we get a little bit carried away about the company that seems to be the biggest and best ever, mm. obviously, you know, seemingly got the world at its feet, and yet in the couple of decades since then, Walmart's kind of struggled to to make a dent anywhere, yeah. and Amazon continues to go from strength to strength. I think there's a really fair point there. Yep, um, I'm an Amazon shareholder. I'm I'm I won't. I don't think I'm absolutely biased, but I but I would. Uh, Absolutely, say that there is some degree of endowment. I don't effect think on you can you can hold shares and not be biased, right, frankly. Right. 
So, so and I wouldn't hold Jezebel if I wasn't if I didn't believe in it. So it's kind yeah. of one of those circles. I think the thing with Amazon for mine is that it is the, the online the online features of its business. I mean, it is only online, of course, or almost. Give it owns Whole Foods now in the states, but given it's given it's online and given it's got international reach, multiple category reach, a whole lot of economies of scale because it's got warehouses rather than stores, it can go higher, further, deeper, wider than I think anyone else can, including Walmart. And I think that does give it a very particular opportunity to be bigger than. That being said, I think John's point is absolutely right. You don't want to pay just any price for any company. If you paid any price for Walmart in 99, assuming that it was going to go on to dominate the world, you've been very, very sadly disappointed in the last couple of decades. Yeah, I, I'm, um, you know it much better than me, so I think I'll go with that. I, I think it is purely a question of valuation as opposed to quality. I have yeah. done the work to really have a firm view on that, but yeah. I think I think you've summed it up nicely. Thank you, man. Let's get to another one. Uh, yes. Akar asks, uh, and again, I'm going to paraphrase here just because of time. He's, he's talking about uh, Berkshire Hathaway, Warren yes. Buffett's company, phenomenal company. I Is know that? you own some shares I in do. it. Um, <laughs> but, but you own Class B shares. I do own Class B and shares. Because the Class A shares <laughs> have never been diluted or split or in any kind of way. So they are worth about $300,000. $300,516. And that, by US, the way, is US dollars. US dollars. So I call it 420 odd thousand bucks. So you kind of think, well, you should buy Berkshire shares. They're wonderful. We could we could do like, you know, 10 shows in a row as to why that is the case. <laughs> but it's going to be out of reach for a lot of people. Yeah. And and so Akar's basically saying, well, there are these things called Class B. Yes. And and how are they different? Well, okay, excellent question. The, the, there's, there's two main differences. One is the Class B... You need 1,500 of them to equal one class A. So they've just split up into smaller amounts. Right. The other important difference is they don't carry the same voting rights. Now, for most people, that's not going to make much of a difference, especially given the sort of the structure of the share register and, <laughs> and Buffett's yeah. own holding. You know, your vote isn't going to count for a hell of a lot anyway. Or less than that. Um, <laughs> yes, uh, even less than that. But it's 200 bucks a share. So right. if you want exposure to the company and on a per share basis... Yeah. Uh, sort of get the same kind of bang for your buck in terms of the performance of the company. It is an ideal way to get exposure. Yeah, totally. So Class A shares, 300 grand. Berkshire created Class B shares about, I want to say 30 years ago now. Was it that long ago? Or was it maybe Yeah, I don't know. You, like, you could um, years right. ago anyway. Yep. And and they did so, Buffett did so because people were, were basically selling managed funds with uh, that all they were was more affordable access to Berkshire. Yep. And Buffett's like, well, I'm not going to let someone come and profit off my business doing that. Yep. I'll split them myself. Yep. They've been split again subsequently. I think it was originally one for 300. Now it's one for 1500. Mm -hmm. So they're split again, uh, 200 bucks a share, give or take for the B class. As you say, Andrew, it's a, it's a completely proportional economic interest. So if you'd have bought a class A share, split it among 1500 of your closest friends, that's exactly what's happening. Mm. You, you own no more or less of it than that. Um, the voting rights are even more diluted though. So B class shareholders, I think it's diluted by another factor of 10 from memory. So it's one fifteen thousandth of a vote. Um, the Class A shareholders continue to run the company. If you like Warren Buffett, if you think he's the right guy running the business and his family, and frankly, the other long-term shareholders are looking after your interests, mm. then that's a wonderful thing. Uh, a lot of people bag dual class structures. Uh, 20th Century Fox has it. Yeah. Uh, Atlassian has it. Facebook yep. has it. Yep. Google has it. Yep. Um, News Corp uh, has it. Um, and it's to, to preserve the control of the founders. Now, I think Motley Fool has it. We do actually, yeah. you're right, just recently. And it's, it, for the same reason, it's to preserve yeah. the control of the founders. Um, I won't speak on Tom and David's behalf, but I think it's a reasonable assumption. Mm. Um, and, and as an investor, if you're, if you're going to buy a company, you want to know that. And if you, if you care about that. So people complain about Rupert Murdoch having control of News Corp via his class, whatever shares that mm -hmm. he has. Mm -hmm. and, and I get it. And, and people say, it shouldn't be right, it shouldn't be right. He's had that for such a long time. If you're buying shares now, you're buying. You're into going that into structure. knowing what the structure right. and you is. Either, right, and you either you don't have to like it, but you don't have to buy the shares. Right, and you either want Rupert 
Murdoch to have control of that business and run it his way because you believe in what he's doing, or mm. you don't. It's a, he's backing the jock. It's a jockey play, as they call it. It totally is. Yeah. And so, and so, even if it wasn't that way, Murdoch still be running the thing. Mm. Uh, the only the only reason you would care about that sort of thing is if you wanted somehow that it'd be some sort of takeover or, or change of control because of some sort of conversion of of, of class A to class B or something. Mm. Um, so it gets pretty silly pretty quickly. I think. Look, is it is it is it fair? One vote, one person. No. As an investor, do I want the people running, say, Berkshire to have full control? Absolutely. I, you know, If Warren Buffett owned half a percent of the stock, I'd still want him to have yeah. complete control of the company because he has and continues to deliver such great value for shareholders. It'd be crazy for me to say, sorry, old man, I don't want you running the place anymore. I'd rather whoever's got the most shares to do it. Mm. Um, it just makes no sense. So, how, how many retail investors do you think actually vote with their shares anyway? Yeah, so few. Like, I, mean, I, I mean, I don't mean That's to be a good point. condescending. No, no, that, no, it's but, true. I mean, there's plenty of times where I don't either because, do, frankly, there's, really there's, there's, there's not much point to it. So, yeah. it's, it's one of those things that, in theory, we think is, is a wonderful thing, right. but we just none of us do it. We are very, we are very lazy uh, <laughs> as a class of investor. So, totally. you know, we better move on. That's uh, great question. I think I'm going to summarize that by saying if you want Berkshire shares, buy the B without without hesitation. Totally. Great way to do it. Totally. Um, uh, I'm going to pump this one to you because I'm going to I'm going to admit this is outside of my wheelhouse. Go on. Joanne has, um, uh, uh, I think, tweeted us and he said, I, um, he's we must have been talking about car leasing at one point. And he says, I got a little bit confused how it costs more money. So I'm paying rent on, on the car's value, essentially. So eff- the effective loan interest is about 7 or 9%. But, you know, my tax rate's around 40%. So surely it is actually, car leasing is actually a very sensible, uh, tax-effective way to to have a car. Yeah, this is one of the great things that... uh... So the, the, the question isn't so much a lease is good or bad compared to the alternative of buying a car outright. Mm. The question is... Getting sucked into paying a car lease, does it actually make financial sense over your lifetime compared to your other options? Right. And car leases have got two really significant negative um, attributes. The first is that you can't get a car lease on a five, a five or 10-year-old Toyota Camry. Okay. You get it on a brand new spanking Mercedes C-Class and you pay $85,000 for it. Right. And so the first thing is really, if you're taking out a car lease, you're probably A, buying a new car. Yep. And B, you're probably buying an expensive car and you're probably justifying it to yourself because, hey, I'm only paying a small amount on the car lease. Right. And so at that level, you're kind of thinking, well, okay, yes, if you're going to buy an $85,000 car, and yes, if it's tax deductible, and yes, if the rate is low enough, then sure, it makes some sense. And I get why you might want to do that. Mm, mm. But that kind of starts on the, on the on, that's, that's predicated on, on, the, on the fact you're going to spend a very, very large amount of money on a depreciating asset. Mm. And the first thing would be, is that re- even, if, even, if the, even if the repayments are low relative to what they otherwise might be, mm. that's an anchoring, we talk about anchoring bias all the time, mm. that's anchoring on well, rather than having to pay 85 grand up front, I'll just pay a thousand bucks a month or whatever mm, it costs. Mm. Um, it feels cheap, but you're still paying off an $85,000 car. Yeah. Go and buy a secondhand $30,000 car instead and you'll be paying a whole lot less without having to worry about the lease. I get you. The second thing is that because you're taking out a lease, what you're effectively doing is, you, yes, you're, you're effectively renting that car. Mm. Um, you're, you take ownership, by the way, so it's worse than renting because mm. you're responsible for everything. Mm. But then at the end of the lease period, you're probably going to roll it over to another new car. Oh, yeah. So not only are you buying a new car and paying a high amount of money, but you're probably going to replace that new car far more regularly than you would if you'd paid cash for it and driven it into the ground. What if I'm the kind of person, and we've all got different preferences, what yeah. if I'm the kind of guy, I just, I like nice cars and I like to have a new car fairly often. And that's fine. If, if you want to do that and the, and the leasing, it makes financial sense. And there's nothing, there's nothing specifically wrong about the choice of a lease versus a loan or paying it outright mm-hmm. if you're paying that much money for a car. Mm-hmm. So as a purely, like, like all of things, like, like shares, we talk about options and other things. Mm-hmm. As a pure financial instrument used by the right people, the right way for the right reasons, mm. in the right circumstances, you can make a case for it. Sure. But the, most people who are who are paying car leases for their own financial sakes shouldn't be doing that at all because they should be buying a cheaper car, paying it in cash, buying what they can afford, yeah. and holding it for longer. And if you can do those, 
if you like a new car regularly, buy a two-year-old car every three or four years. Don't buy a brand new car. Mm. At least then you're probably paying something like 40% I don't, I don't less. get the new car smell, though. It's an expensive smell. <laughs> it's an expensive smell. <laughs> so, yes, look, car, car leasing literally... Typical value literally, investor response there. <laughs> <laughs> literally, you know, the, the lease itself isn't terrible if compared to the alternative of that exact same car in the exact same circumstances with the exact same ownership duration, sure, leases make some sense. The problem is they convince you that it's cheap and then you, you convince yourself to then continue leasing for the next 45 years, paying a thousand bucks a month. We could have bought a car outright once, twice or three times during that period and paid literally probably, I don't know, maybe an eighth, a tenth of the price overall. It's, it's a lot of money being wasted on leases. All right. Good answer, mate. Get more Motley Fool money advice at fool.com.au forward slash triple M. You know what time it is? Oh, no. It's not that time, is it, It's time to saddle up. Oh, no. It's... Mount my trusty steed here. A lot of listeners probably hope we leave that behind in 2017, but no, no. we're always making time for this. Not a one. chance. I'm gonna I'm gonna wax lyrical about people who are right on the share market, but for the wrong reasons. This sounds like just pure envy. It, you know what it does, and 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 it's <laughs> they're right. Come on, what's your problem? Dude? Look, it, it happens to all of us, but I think humans have this wonderful ability to reinterpret the past and to always reinterpret in a way that preserves ego in the most <laughs> favourable way. So there'll be plenty of people out there going, "I'm going to buy this share because of X, Y, and Z." Now the share goes yeah. up fifty percent, but it goes up because of something else entirely different. Right, right. And they turn around, and they go, "See, I told you that was going to happen." It's like, well, to my mind, that is just getting lucky and if you're just getting lucky that's great we've all we all i mean there you know, luck is a big part yeah. of what we do particularly in the short term so it's it's not to poo poo it but it is to it is to be very humble and modest as to what has gone on and the reason i say that is because you can get yourself into a lot of trouble it is pride before fall and the worst tragedies you see in the share market are for people who have a a, a run of, of really good luck and they start to yeah. believe in their own, you know, godlike abilities, and oh, then start man, rolling totally. more and more and more money into it. I'm going to give you a specific example right now, and we talked about this last year, and it's a topic you roll your eyes at because I just I oh, can't seem no. to get away from it. Not property again. It's RFG. I'm going to oh, talk about RFG no. again. I, so I, I, it was a horrible, horrible recommendation. So hang on, hang on. Of mine. Uh, let's, let's just just say RFG retail food retail group. food group. Gloria Jeans, Pizza Crust, Brumbies, Donut King, Michelle's Patisserie. Uh, share price has just absolutely slammed in recent times. Some concern there over what the the French or what they were doing to their franchisees in terms of fees and uh, onerous obligations and all the rest of it. Mm. And and it's you know it sent the share price crashing down. So a lot of people out there sort of doing these victory laps so i knew it i knew that it was and, and the yeah. reality is is that the, the being a company that i followed obviously i take a great deal of interest in the bear thesis yeah. i want to i want to understand what it is that the other guy thinks so i can make a judgment on whether i'm right or he's right i think it's always the best person to talk to when you're in, in when you're investing in anything yeah. is don't talk to the people who agree with you you'll just lead to confirmation by talk to the people who disagree with you and and see if you can make sense with what they're saying because that's that's going to help you avoid some some errors and there was a bear case on on rfg there was there was a lot of reasons as to why people didn't like it not one bear case said <laughs> adele ferguson is going to write a series <laughs> right, of articles right. in the uh sydney morning herald and that's going to put you so so yeah, it, yeah. It, it, and again it's not this isn't this, this sounds horribly like making an excuse it's not i got it wrong there's, there's no question of that but it is so it, it is yeah it would you're true 
Um, but do you see what I'm saying though? It oh, is, totally. It, no, you're it exactly is this right. I it is this idea of I, yeah. I told you so and again it, it is it so is... during the year it was a case of RFG is going to fail because organic growth is slowing mm. and they won't find any more ways to grow their store network yep Adele Ferguson comes out there's going to be some accounting changes too that's that right, might bring right. some, that's some right. liabilities onto the balance sheet there's all of a sudden expose changes. comes out scares the bejesus out of investors yep. and those people who are worried about organic sales growth say see I was right yes and it's not you weren't you you were right. you were right in the fact that the share price went down but you were you were right for the wrong reasons and so just to move away from that specific example it happens all the time we've said this before and I'll say it again before we we close up is yeah. whenever you buy a company write down on a piece of paper um why it is you're buying it what, yeah. what do you expect to happen and why um and and then whatever happens good or bad you can sort of look back on your decision making process and you, it is a wonderfully um, uh, instructive experience, which will make you a far, far, far better investor. Right. If th this is not a, a game of just preserving ego, um, that is that way pain and misery lies. <laughs> yep. um, this is a game about trying to build wealth and doing it in the most prudent, honest way possible. Mm. And in, if you were going to lie to yourself, you were only going to hurt yourself. I think that's right. So we'll talk about this longer on a different day when we're already half an hour through a podcast, but... You can be right for the wrong reasons. You can be wrong for the right reasons, yes, by the way. Yes. So you, and you can be yes. then wrong for the wrong reasons and right for the right reasons. Yep. So think about that matrix of your reasons and the outcomes. There's four boxes, um, combinations of right and wrong. I think to your point, that's really important. And we're not saying that people, you know, we're not saying we begrudge people being right for the wrong reasons. There's enough bad luck in, in Oh, investing. it happens to me all we'll the happily time. Take, we'll happily take good luck <laughs> yeah. when we can get it, right? For sure. But for sure. It, it's more a matter of the impact it has on people's psyches and they're, they're kind of perceived abilities. So yes, yep. when you get a couple right, you kind of start to think you're good at this. Whatever whatever it is that you're doing, right? You can yep. hit a couple of streaky shots on the tennis court. Yep. All of a sudden you feel like, hey, you know, I can actually play this tennis thing. Yeah. And then you play next week and you get absolutely blown off the court because you just don't get lucky that a couple of times that makes you feel like a hero. And again, we don't begrudge you the streaky shots. But if you then was, if you, if you won a couple of games of tennis the first week, went out and spent a couple of thousand dollars on new lot of tennis gear, you, you, you know, you, you enroll for some tennis courses, you quit your job because you're going to become a professional tennis player. Mm. And then all of a sudden you realize you're actually not that good and it was a couple of easy shots. Yeah. That's the risk that it comes to is that all of a sudden you start to make decisions based on a, a, a you know, a foundation that isn't solid, effectively a, a false foundation of, of expertise or not even necessarily direct expertise, but might be a particular circumstance or sector or company or your ability to predict. Um, it can lead you really down the garden path very, very quickly. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you know what we've done, mate? What have we done? We've gone a whole episode without mentioning Bitcoin. Until just then. And I'm the reason I mention it, the reason I mention it is because I think there's a lot of people who have so far been right. No names mentioned, Scott Phillips, who have been right for the wrong reasons. Go on, give us an update. How, how many billions of dollars have you made? <laughs> Come on, let's get over I, and done with. I, I'm up about 155% at the moment. All right, there I'm you okay go. okay with that. It's a, yeah. funny, you know what? We haven't done this for a couple of weeks. We pre-recorded last week, as, as our listeners know. And uh, and and the gyrations, again, even in, in the case of Space 2, it was incredible. Yeah, wasn't it? I, I want to say my account balance got down about 200 190 bucks or something. Yeah, okay. Uh, at one point, Bitcoin crashed. And of course, then you turn up here two weeks later after all that, and it's like nothing's happened. Yeah. Um, despite massive, massive gyrations as we've been away. So maybe that's part of the story. But thank you for mentioning, Andrew. And um, exactly a case of being right for <laughs> the right People would be disappointed if I didn't. And wouldn't they? Yeah. Let's you, wrap it up. Sorry to interrupt. Oh. Can you get the money out? No, not, not, not Oh, I'm not so yet. glad you asked that question. <laughs> thank you. Thanks, Liam. <laughs> Oh, two against one. <laughs> Only one of us, though, is making money on Bitcoin. That's all I want Rationality to prevails. <laughs> that wraps it up, up Fools. Thank you so much for listening in. Um, we really are looking forward to 2018. Lots of good topics to discuss. Hey, Can, next week I'm going to make you talk about Bitcoin. Okay, then. Done. I've, 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 that's Can we talk about Litecoin? Can we at least change no, no, it a no, little no, bit? No, 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 no. You, you two want to gang up. I mean, that's fine. 
Next week, stand by for a Bitcoin episode. Okay, Bitcoin. Uh, all day, all the time. What are the, what's the phrase? All day, every day. There you go. I don't know, something like that. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. man. I'm turning up to 11 on Bitcoin next week. Okay. Uh, all right, we'll do that if we have to. <laughs> um, remember, you can subscribe to the podcast through iTunes or your favorite podcast, Android podcast app. And you should. And you should. Um, and if you like what we're doing here, don't forget you can check out a bit of more, a bit more foolish goodness with uh, at fool.com.au. Forward slash triple M. Triple M. I didn't do the triple M. No. Till then. Disappointing. Until next week. Full on. Full on. The Motley Fool and people appearing in this program may have positions in the companies mentioned. General advice only. Please speak to your financial professional to understand how it may pertain to your situation. Subscribe to the free newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash triple M. The Motley Fool operates under financial services license 400691.